Welcome back to Beyond the Uniform. I'm Justin Asiri, and my goal is to help members of the military community thrive in their post-service career and life. Today is episode number 442, Navy to PGA Golfer with Billy Hurley III. The best thing you can do is do your best in, in whatever you're doing at that moment in time. Right. While being a service warfare officer didn't inherently gain me any greater skill as a golfer, I did the job as best as I could every day. And, and, and I think that it, that's the mindset you're going to need whenever you go on to do whatever's next. Right. And, and whether that's professional sports or business or, or you know, government service in, in another capacity other than the military, you know, whatever that looks like for each of us after the military, like you're going to have to do your best. To, to be successful and so there's no reason to to not do your best right now just because well this isn't what i really want to do or i expire to do x y or z later on well today's episode originally aired all the way back in june of 2019 that was 200 episodes again ago so i wanted to go back into our archives and surface this one for you here's why to listen Billy is a professional golfer, the first Naval Academy graduate to earn a PGA Tour card, which he has done for the last seven years. The more I learn about Billy's journey, the more I'm blown away by what he achieved. In a field that is crowded and incredibly competitive, Billy has succeeded despite having five years where instead of focusing 100% on golf like his peer set, he was serving in the military. In this interview, we talk about cultivating a mindset of excellence. Even though serving as a surface warfare officer didn't directly relate to his aspirations as a golfer, he focused on it 100% and did the best job he could. We talk about making sacrifices and how to balance that with being present with one's family. We talk about what life is like on the PGA Tour and more. As always, at beyondtheuniform.org, you'll find show notes with links to everything we discuss, as well as 440 other episodes just like this one, all offered for free. With that, let's dive in to my conversation with Billy. Joining me today in Annapolis, Maryland, my guest is Billy Hurley III. Billy, welcome to Beyond the Uniform. Thanks, Justin. It's good to be with you. So for listeners, I wanted to give you a quick background on Billy, but there's a lot of links in the show notes for more information about his background. Uh, he was a member of the Victorious American team in the 2005 Walker Cup and served as captain of the 2004 Palmer Cup team. He won seven collegiate golf titles at the Naval Academy, was named 2004 Patriot League Player of the Year, and was ranked the number six best amateur in the world. Billy was commissioned an ensign in the U.S. Navy, serving as a surface warfare officer for five years. After his naval service, he turned his focus back to golf. He earned his place on the Web.com Tour in 2011, finishing the season in 25th place and becoming the first Naval Academy graduate to earn a PGA Tour card. He has continued to be a strong competitor on the tour, winning the 2016 Quicken Loans National, a Tiger Woods-hosted tribute to military personnel. With the win, Billy qualified for his first PGA and Masters championship. Um, so... Maybe just to set some context, Billy, um, could you talk about where your love of golf came from, like when that came about in your life? 
Sure. I grew up kind of just around the game. Uh, my dad uh, played in college and, and, and was a good player in his own right. And so when I was a young kid, my dad was still playing a lot um, with friends and, and kind of recreationally at that point. But um, so I, my earliest memories of, of golf or riding around in the cart with my dad while he was playing with his friends and I would maybe hit a couple of shots around and while he was putting on, on a green, I would be chipping off to the side, trying to chip it into like the sprinkler heads and, and that kind of thing. So that's kind of where golf all started for me. It was, you know, kind of a, a family deal with my dad and the, and then my brother, um, I'm a couple years older than my brother. So when my brother got a little older, we started, you know, all three of us were playing golf and, and that kind of thing. Mm. And so, you know, you, you are experiencing a tremendous amount of success while at the Naval Academy. Um, one of the questions I had is golf is such a time intensive game. It requires a lot of practice and repetition. How are you able to continue like maintain at least those skills while out at sea while while serving on active duty yeah, well well i really i didn't um is the answer to that question you know obviously uh you know the the navy is a full-time job you know and um so may, maybe more than a full-time job in, in lots of times and certainly when you go to sea there's not really an opportunity to, to, to play and practice at all. So, you, you know, there were periods of, of my naval service where I, where I did get to play a lot. Maybe we were in home port or when I was on shore duty. Um, but then there were periods, you know, where we were out to sea deployed or, or training cycle, whatever have you, where I, where I played very, very little. So, um, you know, when I was out to sea, I, I, I just tried to really work out as much as I could, um, which anybody as a, as a SWO knows that's not very much necessarily, but, um, you know, that was kind of my focus out to sea was at least having my body be in as, as good a shape as I could to, to be able to practice a lot when, when the practicing time came. That's great. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm assuming just given the success you experienced before, um, joining an active duty, like that, that, the plan was to return to golf after military service was that is that is that right yeah exactly i mean i think you know as everybody any 18 year old who plays golf you know kind of dreams about playing on the pga tour and 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 whatever and that that was certainly not a uh anything that resembled a a a reality or or a possibility for me when I was 18, you know, going into the Naval Academy, but I kind of just kept getting better and kept getting better and kept getting better. And then my senior year is when I had a lot of success on the golf course. Um, And then kind of after my senior year had, had, had some more good success kind of in, in that summer um, after graduating and going to my first ship and, and and so that's when it kind of became more of a of a reality that, that professional golf was something that, that could be out there for me it was kind of in my in my senior year at the Naval Academy. And so, yeah, I definitely, you know, graduated with the, you know, mindset of five years and then I'm going to, you know, go give golf a shot. And just I'm, I'm fascinated by the the mastery that you demonstrate in in your field could you talk about maybe either the the entire time at the naval academy or your senior year um when it came to golf what did your life look like was there a, a routine or how how did you approach practicing in order to experience the growth that you you experienced and the the tremendous improvement in your game 
Well, I think that, you know, for me at the Naval Academy, I, um, I, I sum it up like this. I woke up, I went to school, I went to golf practice, I came home, I came back to the dorm, I did my homework. I went to bed and I woke up and did it all over again. Mm. I, I really, um, you know, had a pretty singular focus. I was a pretty good student and, 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 and for the most part enjoyed the, the, the classwork of, of, of college and of, you know, the Naval Academy, but, but golf was really kind of what I put my time and energy into. And so I, I spent, um, you know, most of my free time playing golf. Um, you know, I, I I didn't really spend a whole lot of time goofing off or surfing the internet or watching TV or doing any of that kind of stuff. You know, of course the internet really didn't quite exist in, in, in its current fashion when we were at the Naval Academy, Justin, but you know, it still was, uh, you know, you could do. So I just, I didn't really have, um, I don't want to say I didn't have any interests. I just didn't put any energy into any interest other than golf. And, you know, it started as, as, as a plebe, it started just as my escape. Like I, you know, you could get out of Bancroft Hall and you could get over to the golf course and you could put on, you know, golf clothes and, and not be in uniform. And, 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 and I could be there and practice and, and nobody really bothered me, you know? So it was kind of a little bit of escaping from, from the life as a plebe. And then it kind of just can, that said, it also was something I wanted to do. You know, it was something that I wanted to put time and energy into. And, and so that kind of just continued, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I, I made my, um, you know, summer training choices around golf, like what was best for golf, mm-hmm. you know, like how, how, what, what tournament could I play? Oh, well, that means maybe I want to take this block and not that block or whatever, or, you know, that, that kind of stuff. I spent, you know, a lot of time, um, you know, in the summers working on golf as, as much as I could, obviously with the training cycles of the Naval Academy summers, you, you know, you don't put in as much time as every other division one athlete does into their sport over the summertime. But I, you know, was trying to, to do as much as I could, um, in, in those times and taking advantage of all the time that I could. So it was really just, um, I don't want to say it was singularly focused because I also, you know, did work hard at school and I, and I did do all the things that were required of every other midshipman, you know, kind of to the best of my ability while I was at the Naval Academy. But um, if you ask my roommates or ask my teammates, like I pretty much just did golf. Hmm. I, I admire that discipline. I can only imagine the, the sacrifice that entailed. Is there, um, I'm sure that in that journey, there's got to be times where you're like, man, I just, I don't want to do this. Like, did you have any way of getting yourself to kind of continue to focus on that? I'm just guessing there must've been times where like, man, I'd much rather just be vegging out or much rather doing something else. And I'm also guessing that you found a way to persist in spite of that. I'm just curious if you have any advice for listeners about strengthening their resolve or, or maintaining a focus on a goal like that. Well, I think that what I've learned in in the last, you know, five or so years of, of not just being a professional golfer, but, but getting to interact with a lot of successful people in the business world, um, it, anybody who's kind of done something at an elite level, and, and certainly professional athletics are the easy one to point to, but but you can, you can, you know, point to guys who have, you know, 
20, 30 year careers in the military as, as obviously being very elite successful in that organization. You can point to CEOs, you can point to business leaders and, 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 and that kind of thing who, who are successful in their own industries. And, and anybody who's, who's gone on to do that has, has made a sacrifice, has made a rather big sacrifice um, in, in some way, shape or form. And, and you kind of touched on that earlier, but so, so it's kind of just the, I, at the Naval Academy, I, I did not view what I was doing as sacrificing. For whatever reason, I don't I don't know why, right? I, I don't know why, but as I, if I look back at that, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be the best golfer that I could be, and um, you know, so so maybe I sacrificed um, I, I sacrificed some of my class rank for that because I, I didn't get you know very good military performance grades because if you're not in Bancroft Hall, you don't get seen and you don't get kind of you know, recognized for, for being a midshipman. Um, so I was often out of Bancroft Hall and out of sight, out of mind and that kind of thing. But, but I didn't ever view that as really a sacrifice. I just viewed it as this is what I want to do. And this is where I want to put my time and energy. I, I think the sacrifice for me came more after getting out of the Navy um, and, and then having a family and having to leave and go on the road and having to go play tournaments when, well, maybe I didn't feel like it, or maybe there's something going on at home that I'd rather be at, but I, you know, but this is my job and this is what I've chosen to do as a profession. And so that, you know, the sacrifice has more been kind of on the back end. I would say for me on, on the front end, it was more um, a, a drive to be, you know, the best I could be. And I was kind of always chasing after what is that? I want to get a little bit better. I want to get a little bit better. I want to get a little bit better. And and I mean, frankly, that's still what I do today. I want to get a little bit better. I want to get a little bit better. You know, I want, I want, I want to keep, keep, you know, growing in, in, uh, in, in my profession and in, in my ability to, to compete at the highest level. That's, that's great. I mean, I, I appreciate that aspect too. It's kind of like, no matter what to achieve that level of ex- excellence, it requires some, some sacrifice and it, it requires giving up a lot of comfort and giving up what you might w- want to do in the moment to, uh, to achieve that longer term goal. And I also really appreciate the, um, that striving that's really clear of like always wanting to see that incremental improvement, always fighting to be, to be better. And I, I, I think it's easy to, to hear you say that, but I just can only imagine the countless hours behind that statement and just the day in, day out attention to practice and, 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 uh, attention to your craft. Um, could you walk us through so you you know you you leave the military what do the next couple of years look like for you what does that that path to becoming a professional golfer look like well we got out of the military in the summer of 2009 and basically for the next well for that for that summer I just kind of went went back to golf. It was the first time in my life when golf was the only thing I had to do. Um, you know, previously it was I was at the Naval Academy and playing golf, but I had all the other stuff to do with with coursework and and the Naval Academy. And then I was in the Navy, and so golf was kind of a part time job, certainly a, a quote moonlighting kind of gig at that point in time. But um, so you know, getting out of the Navy and, and coming back to just golf was, was quite new. And so it was just, you know, play and practice every day. You know, it was, it was just 
trying to work on all aspects of my game and, 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 and continue to, you know, get into golf shape in a sense. I mean, there's certainly, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't play very much. I was actually deployed for the last five months that I was in the Navy. So I didn't play very much, you know, leading into that. It wasn't the greatest, um, lead into to trying to play professional golf. So I had to spend, you know, that, that summer of 09 kind of just working on my game. And, and I, uh, I remember in, in August, I was like, well, I, I mean, I, I gotta go play a tournament. I mean, I'm not, I know I'm not really ready to play a tournament, but, but if I'm going to be ready in, in October or November, I, I got to start now and, and got to go play again. And, and, and that was really hard because I missed all the cuts. I missed three cuts in the, in the three tournaments I played kind of in August and September. And, and, and I think I missed two of them by like a shot and, and you're kind of just, it was really frustrating to, to kind of feel like you were, you're back in it, but you knew you weren't ready, but you were kind of close. And, and, and so, um, but so I, so I spent kind of 2009, 2010 doing that on, on the mini tours. Um, and then, um, and it, mini tours is, is kind of like, we'll call it single A baseball, um, if you will. And you kind of, um, you know, nobody's making any money and everybody's just trying to play a little bit to survive and, and you get some, get some experience and, and kind of learn the lifestyle of traveling and, and whatever, but it was a lot of time in my car up and down 95, the tournaments, so, you know, down in Florida and Charlotte and, um, kind of, kind of the Carolinas and Florida, a lot of, a lot of tournaments, um, through the, through the East coast. So I know, I know a lot about route 95 from DC to Jacksonville. But the the end of 2010, I got through Q School, um, not all the way to the PGA Tour, but I got to the Web.com Tour, what's now the Web.com Tour. And so 2011 then was my first year kind of in like AAA baseball, if you will. That's kind of what the Web.com Tour is, is kind of the, the feeder tour directly into the PGA Tour. So it's a little bit of the farm system kind of thing is the best way to explain it. And so that was my first year there. And then I was able to finish 25th and get kind of the, the promotion, so to speak, to the PGA tour. And, and so then 2012 was my rookie year on the PGA tour. And uh, this year in 2019 is my seventh year on tour. What, what's that like for people who, I, I mean, I'm imagining most people don't understand what that life is like. Uh, could you describe what life was like on the PG tour and, and especially kind of, you know, what is your day to day and, and week, uh, typical week even look like? Well, on tour, a typical week, um, you know, it's, it's a seven day week. It's not, uh, you know, there aren't, it's, you know, you, I leave, um, most of the time I probably, you know, get to a tournament on Monday. Um, and depending on what time I get in, I, I, I might practice briefly on Monday or something like that. But I, um, and then Tuesdays, uh, a really full day of practice, normally play 18 holes and practice um, some after playing and kind of really seeing the course and, and the nice thing now is that I don't have to learn the course I've played most all of them at this point um in in time but uh but you know just kind of seeing what maybe maybe they changed a couple things about a couple tees or a couple greens or they removed a tree here and added a bunker there or, or just you know is it, is it firm is it fast is it 
is it soft because of rain or whatever? How's, how's the course going to play, you know, and kind of start to prepare for, for what that looks like come, you know, game time on Thursday. So Tuesday is really kind of a, a big, heavy day of, of practice. And, and, and then normally I, you know, work out almost every day. Um, and some, you know, some might be, um, you know, 45 minutes, but, but a lot of, kind of 20 minute workouts kind of just keeping my body moving and keeping it uh ready to take the abuse that we inflict upon it with a repetitive motion sheer shearing force around your spine to hit a golf ball <laughs> but um <laughs> you know our bodies are not designed to do any professional sport we just <laughs> we just contort and put them through this stuff and then we have to put them back together mm-hmm. after after we get done with it and so that's Tuesday and then Wednesday is the pro-am day. And, um, depending on the year, um, I've, you know, some years I've played in every single Wednesday pro-am, some years I've played in half of them and some years you kind of don't play, you play in very few of them. And it's kind of all based on how you did last year. So, 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 you know, that kind of depends, but that's the pro-am day. So you, you know, that would be another day of practice and, and 18 holes, um, and so, you know, that can be another long day, but you, but you're trying to keep that one a little shorter because you, you want to be rested and, and, um, ready to go on Thursday. So then Thursday is, you know, round one. And again, it's normally, uh, you know, I mean, those are, those are 10, 10 plus hour days really, you know, on, on, on tournament days between, you know, preparing before you play and then, you know, generally takes five hours to play um or or, you know somewhere somewhere right around that and then typically we'll practice for you know probably very briefly some some days you know not at all some days you know 30 minutes really no no more than probably 75 minutes of of practice afterwards because it's already been a long day um you know before you even get to that point and then there might be some workout there might be some you know, body work and, and kind of physical therapy type thing to, to kind of put yourself back together and, 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 you know, have your body performing at the highest level for the next day. So, and you kind of just rinse, repeat there, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and uh, Sunday, there, you know, obviously wouldn't be, wouldn't be practice after Sunday. It'd be pack up and get on an airplane and go to the next stop or go home or, or go wherever else, uh, you know, life and, and golf takes you from there. So it's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's full weeks and it's not, um, you know, it, it's, uh, it, there's not a whole lot of, uh, downtime kind of in there. You know, you get maybe a half a day of, of downtime somewhere in there, depending on tea times and practice structure. Mm. It, it's, <laughs> it sounds exhausting. And just the, um, not just the schedule, but like you're saying, I can only imagine the the brutal wear and tear your body takes from just. I mean, that's just a, so much, uh, so much to put your body. Yeah, through. I mean, I tell it, it, one of one of the one one of the things that, that I, I tell people is, you know, basically at a at a tour event, and this is probably some of my military mindset and kind of growing up in in that environment, but. But, uh, you know, I, I kind of do everything with a purpose. I mean, I, I eat with a purpose. I sleep with a purpose. I mean, that's a big one is trying to get enough sleep. And, um, you know, I, I get reminded frequently that I'm no longer a, that I, I'm no longer a young person and I am an old athlete. <laughs> and so I have to, um, you know, so, so sleep has become really a lot more important. 
I used to, I used to maybe try, I used to try and get about seven and a half hours of sleep. And now I'm, you know, trying to get closer to nine when I can, um, at, at events just to, just to have my body be a little bit more refreshed. So it, um, yeah, it is, it is, uh, it's, it's very regimented isn't exactly the right word, but it's very purposeful. Mm. And and you talked about you know the, the impression I got is that you're you know you're playing a round of eighteen holes and then you're you're practicing afterwards. Is this is this kind of your own critique of yourself on where you need to improve, or do you have like coaches around you and support around you pointing things out? Like what is that? How do you find those weak spots? Um, it's, it's, I'd say it's a little bit of both. The, the majority is you know me um you know critiquing myself or thinking about the things that i need to 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 do on this particular course um you know you might need to hit more three woods off the tee or you might need to hit um more draws or cuts or or you know shape the ball a different way left to right or right to left just for certain courses you might have more of a wedge course. I definitely, you know, when I'm playing my best, I'm spending a lot of time on, on wedges and, and kind of that inside 100 yards game. That's where you can really, um, that's where you really make a lot of gains in golf. I mean, I mean, you have to, you have to do the other stuff well, but if you can really tighten it up inside of a hundred yards and, and, and make that as best as it can be, that's, where you're going to really get a lot of scoring opportunities and, 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 and shoot your lowest rounds. But I think that, um, you know, I have coaches, I have a trainer, I, I have, you know, I, I mean, I'm, you know, I have about a team of seven or so that, that they kind of work with me. Now it's almost never that all seven are with me at the same time. Um, you know, and my, my coach and trainer are probably the ones who come, most often two tournament sites, but even that's, you know, three, four times a year. And so it is most of mostly just, you know, me on my own and with, with video and, and technology that it is the way today though. I mean, I can take a video of my swing, send it to my coach and, you know, two minutes later, be on the phone talking to him about it. And two minutes after that, be back practicing with, with some, you know, new idea or tip of, of how to of how to tighten it up and make it just a little bit better. So um, that's that's definitely changed the game of golf in in that regard and and how easy it is to to transfer videos and, and view them and and certainly you know slower motion cameras and, and more high speed more more high definition stuff makes it easier to see little things and and so you could certainly, you know, paralysis by analysis kind of kind of deal if you wanted to, but it but it's helpful to, you know, be able to break that down when needed. Mm. The thing the thing I keep on coming back to in my mind is I'm just I'm floored by to compete at this level. It's just it's mind-boggling the amount of um discipline and practice and just time that you need to be to to have to get at this level and I just keep on going back to like, man, you know, Naval Academy, probably not typical environment for someone who aspires to be a professional golfer. And then the military for all intents and purposes, that's, that's like a, that was a five year break. And I just keep on thinking of like, man, that's five years where your peer set was probably playing 
24-7. And so it's just like, it's, it's just, it's very, very crazy for me to think that you have achieved this with, I don't want to call that a handicap because like I'm, you know, I'm proud of my military service. I know you are like, it's, it's not like that. But if I'm just purely looking at this from a golf perspective, I'm like, man, how the hell did this guy do this? And, and I'm, I'm wondering, um, you know, there's, there's obviously I'm, I'm focusing on what you gave up, but I'm curious, like what, what did you take away from your military service? Like, what did you bring with you? That, that has helped you as, as a professional golfer? Well, I think that the first answer to, to that is time management. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, at the Naval Academy and in the Navy, if you, if you don't manage your time, you, you, you kind of sink, right? Like you have to, you have to be very intentional about where you spend your time. And so that's no different um, to, to being a professional golfer with the, with the schedule that I just gave you. Yeah. Obviously you have to manage that very, very well. And, and, and you don't have a whole lot of place for distractions or offshoots and tangents and, and, and that kind of thing. So that's certainly one of the things the Naval Academy taught me playing golf at the Naval Academy. You know, we practiced for two hours a day, you know, that was kind of the, the, the set aside, you know, varsity athletic period was two, two and a half hours. Right. Well, every other division one athletes doing it for like, eight hours a day, right? They go to school part-time and they, and, and, and they play, play their sport full-time kind of thing. Right. Um, so, so, so that taught me how to get a lot done in a little amount of time that taught me how to focus on the right things to, to play good golf. Um, because there's always something else you want to work on. There's always more preparation that you could do. Um, and, and there's a fine line between being prepared and being, um, you know, kind of, exhausted and, and, and spending too much time preparing to your own detriment. And so, so having just that, you know, kind of two, two and a half hour window at the Naval Academy to practice taught me how to do a lot in, in a little amount of time and how to focus on the right things. So that certainly is, you know, one aspect of, of what I um, have, have taken away and, and, and what's helped me um, get where I am today, you know, given the unique path that I, that I took. Right. Cause I, I agree with you. I'm not going to say it was a, a setback or, or a detriment. It was what I signed up to do and it was what I knew I wanted to do. And I'm, as, as you said, very proud of, of my Naval service. And, and I enjoyed that time a lot. Um, and, and, and have made, you know, some of my best friends today were guys I served with. Right. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't give that up. I'd go back. I'd, I'd do it all over the same way, but, the the other thing that the the navy kind of gave me was was I travel better than most guys. Um, I, I I I don't um, you know jet lag doesn't affect me as much as, as as it seems it does most people or maybe I just know how to deal with it and what I need to do um, um, for my body to 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 be fresh in in that way. When when we've played tournaments overseas, I've actually um, done quite well comparatively to my peer group. And I think that a lot of that has to do with having traveled to a lot of other countries, having gone on port visits, having, having lived those, those lifestyles um, and, and, and kind of seen that away from home kind of, kind of thing. So my um, life experience that, that I gained in the Navy has certainly helped me with, uh, with a competitive advantage while it's not an exact golf skill. 
there, there's obviously a lot more that goes into being successful than just hitting the ball around. So, um, those, those, those couple things I've definitely taken away from, from the Navy, from the Naval Academy, and have certainly helped me and enhanced my career as a golfer. Mm, that's, that's great. Um, I'm aware, you know, there's probably some listeners who aspire to, to some level of professional sports after their military service. And I'm, I'm curious if you have any advice um, either as an athlete or just in the, the industry in general for people who serve in the military that, that want to go into professional sports in some capacity? Um, I think, well, first of all, I'd pick a sport other than golf because the numbers game in golf is just terrible. <laughs> I mean, there's so many more people playing playing in the NFL and playing in, in major league baseball and, and, and every other professional sport you can kind of think of other than golf, but that's a tangent. So, mm-hmm. um, the, the, the thing for me when, when I think about that and I, and I've talked to, uh, you know, a number of guys who have who, at the Naval Academy who have aspired to professional athletics afterwards. And, and, and I think the, the, the best thing you can do is do your best in where, in, in whatever you're doing at that moment in time, right? While being a service warfare officer didn't inherently give me anything, it didn't inherently gain me any greater skill as a golfer. I did the job as best as I could every day. And, and, and I think that it, that's, the mindset you're going to need whenever you go on to do whatever's next. Right. And, and whether that's professional sports or business or, or, you know, government service in in another capacity, other than the military, you know, whatever that looks like for each of us after the military, like you're going to have to do your best to, to be successful. And so there's no reason to, to not do your best right now, just because, well, this isn't what I really want to do, or I expire to do X, Y, or Z later on. That's not going to help you in X, Y, and Z later on because you're going to have developed habits of not caring about little things or, or not thinking that this is important and, and, and not trying your best. And so you're going to have to give all, you have to give your all to do professional athletics. There's, there's no question about that, right? The, the 1% of the 1% of the 1% kind of thing when you go high school, college, professional level, right? So, um, that's that's really my, my the best advice that I can give people um, who are who, who are you know in the military or, or getting ready to graduate the Naval Academy or, or, or wherever and are going to go on to have this you know service requirement that that seemingly gets in the way of of, of what you want to do next or, or professional athletics. Um, but but if you don't do your best now, then then, then why are you just going to all of a sudden turn it on? you know, when, when, when you get back to the athletic field or, or, or whatever it is. So, um, that's really, I think the, the habit that, that is, is the most important. That's such a fantastic answer. I just love that mindset of excellence. And I, I notice in my own life, the times where I'm just phoning it in where I'm like, well, you know, what does this matter? I'm just gonna just coast on this. And I love that mindset of like, man, whatever you're doing, just kind of give it your all. And, 
viewing that almost as the practice, like the practice is build the muscle of focusing on something and doing your best and pushing yourself. Um, and I, I love that for listeners because whether or not you aspire to um, golf or professional athletics in general, like whatever your career path is, as you just said, that that is a mindset that, that you're building, a mindset that you can build in any location to to help you out in what you do in the future. And, and I love that that too, because it's like, man, I just, I feel better about that when I'm doing my best at a job. Like it doesn't feel good to, yeah, to just exactly coast right. by. It just feels kind of sleazy. Um, what about, um, I, I also want to make space. You're, you're involved in two organizations. One is the, the Billy Hurley, the third foundation, which you started. And then you're also involved with birdies for the brave. Um, what would you want listeners to know about both of those organizations? Well, Birdies for the Brave is basically the military charity of the PGA Tour, right? So, so it's kind of you know the, the PGA Tour gives you know tons and tons of money over over two billion dollars in, in in the in the lifetime of the PGA Tour to to charity and certainly the, the lion's share of that in the last ten to fifteen years. And and so Birdies for the Brave is kind of how the PGA Tour does military initiatives that's kind of the, the the place where that that falls in the um charitable mission of of the tour so so certainly i'm involved with that as, as things are at tournaments and as you know we have um different initiatives throughout the year with with you know that are run directly through the pga tour but then it became um you know kind of kind of time to think about what, what we were going to do individually and 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 we started running this charity tournament. And then we said, well, if we're going to do a charity tournament, I guess we probably ought to just just have a foundation so that we can run it all through a 501c3. And 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 so what are we going to do with that, right? How how are we going to do that? And that's and that's where the Billy Hurley the Third Foundation came from. And really, our uh, our our mission at the Billy Hurley the Third Foundation is to support um, support, honor, and enhance the lives of military families. My wife and I look around um, when we were active duty and, and, and now that we've, you know, been off active duty for close to almost 10 years now, um, the the experiences and things that, that, that we've been afforded because of professional golf are, are extraordinary. I mean, we, yeah, I mean, I'll give you just, just one example. You know, there was a tournament a number of years ago at, at Disney World, and, and we got a private guide through the parks. We went to like three or four parks in one day with a private guide to the front of the line. And, and, and these experiences are amazing, and they're only afforded to me because I just happen to be good at hitting a little white ball, um, you know, better than most people in the world. And so we kind of set out to say, well, how can we do some of that for our military families? How can we um, give them experiences and, and opportunities that, that they wouldn't have, right? I mean, I look around at, at you know, your, your average kind of E5, E6 guy who, you know, um, has got a couple of kids and, and, and is doing a great job on the ship or, or wherever in, in the military. and, and and you know he's got a great attitude and, and and wants to do the best he can and and I love that guy you know what I mean or gal and 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 I and I want and and that's what makes our military so successful and 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 so great are those people 
they're never going to get the experiences that I've been afforded to get to. So how can we, you know, raise some charitable dollars and, and, and give them those experiences. And so it's certainly been a, a, a learning curve of how to do that inside of the government, right? You have to, you have to kind of jump through the right hoops to be able to, 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 to get to that point, but it's been really special to be able to, you know, give a couple of Disney trips to some families and, 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 and kind of do some other stuff, some, some, scholarship-based stuff for for some, uh, for college and, and, and that kind of stuff through our foundation. So we just really want to figure out how do we, you know, take the take the, the, the military family and, and care for the whole family unit. Because that's that's the you know the other thing about that Justin is for 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 us, I mean my wife and I, you know, we were just we were just your average, you know, officer on the ship you know i tried to like we said i tried to do the job the best i could but i i woke up every morning and just went to work and 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 then at the same time left my wife with a you know young child at home and so you know the family really serves as well and i think that's something that's coming more to the forefront of our society but it, for a while i think it got lost and, and we just kind of thought about the the, the service member and so, you know, we want to recognize and, 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 you know, enhance the lives of those families as well, who really are the backbone that allow our service members to go forward and, and, and do the great job that they do to, to protect our country. So the, the one of the last questions I wanted to ask, it's a little bit more personal for me, but I also know a lot of listeners are um, always asking about work-life balance. And and from, from my perspective, you know, I've got a three-month-old baby right now, first one in the family for me. And um, I, I feel – Yeah, thank you. I, I, I feel this tension between, on the one hand, wanting to be present, not wanting to be away, wanting to work reasonable hours so I'm around him and my family – and then on the other hand, it's like, man, I want to be passionately pursuing a mission and a goal. Like I want to set that example for him of high achievement and really going after it. And I, I don't know if you faced a similar struggle, but you know, you talked about being on the road, you talked about being away from your family. And I'm just kind of curious how you've approached that, that balance between, you know, being around your family all the time versus the sacrifice necessary to achieve the incredible things that you've achieved and, and the the powerful example that that sets for your family, for listeners, and for many people in the world? Boy, that, that's a great question and certainly one that I do not claim to have figured out. I mm -hmm. mean, I, um, I, I'm certainly on the workaholic spectrum, um, <laughs> you know, no matter what I was doing, I, um, you know, would, would, would lean towards that and would have to be reined in, um, away from that. And, and to, 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 to your point, that has allowed me to be successful, I think, right. That is, you know, there's probably, you can't, you can't skate by in, in professional athletics. You have to, you know, we talked about sacrifice earlier and, and, and frankly, one of the, one of the major sacrifices that I've observed in, you know, certainly my own life, but also in other successful people's lives is, is, is their family took, took, took a toll for, for some of it, you know? Um, and, and there's, you know, rewards on the other side of that potentially with, with, with different opportunities and, and whatnot. But, but certainly, you know, I mean, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of similarities between tour wives and Navy wives. Their husbands are gone a lot. Mm. 
Um, you know, they're, they're, they tend to be kind of the personality structure of, of being independent and, and self-sufficient so that, you know, it does work when your husband's gone for a deployment or gone for, you know, a two week stretch of tournaments or, or whatever. But, you know, for, for me, uh, I'll answer that question this way, that it's an always changing problem. Um, and every stage of life, it, it, it manifests itself a little bit differently. And our kids are a little older or getting older now. Our oldest is in sixth grade. And um, that's created a new set of challenges, a new set of, uh, you know, how are we going to do this, you know, work-life balance thing now? Hmm. What's that going to look like? It looks very different than, than when he was you know, three, four years old, you know, we, we, we just packed them up in the car. We didn't have school to worry about. And we all traveled together and, and we did a lot of traveling together for the first couple of years. And in my rookie year on tour, they traveled probably 80% of the time. It was, it was almost full time. And, and so that was great. We got to be together as a family. We didn't have a whole lot of constraints and, um, you know, from, from home or from school or whatever. And now it's shifted where they've, travel probably less than 20% of the time. And we've probably almost gone all the way to the other end of the spectrum and that's school and that's kids activities and sports and all this other stuff going on, you know? So, um, I think it's a, I, I certainly, like I said, don't have a great answer for that, but I, but I do know that it's an ever changing problem and there's, and there's, you know, kind of, you, you know, as soon as, as soon as you think you got it figured out and something and something's working and you got that going, well, the new stage hits and now you got to reinvent the wheel again and figure out what works for this particular stage, you know, and, and, and that's, um, I guess that's the fun of life and parenting and, 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 and kind of all that. It certainly is a challenge and, and, um, it's, uh, yeah, I guess I just an ever changing problem that, that, that requires new solutions continuously. It's such a great answer. And it's, I, I just noticed when you say that my, I always desire to have this like one answer, one thing that I do and I'm done. And, and I think that you, the nuance that you bring to that answer is like, it is always changing. Like we're changing, our family's changing, life's changing. And so it's kind of like a commitment to something, but being able to adapt, adapt it as, as everything changes. Um, well, I, I know that we're a little bit over on time, so I, I just want to ask one last question, which is I, I always like to leave the last question open-ended, and that is, you know, is there anything we didn't cover that you want to make sure listeners know, or is there any just final parting thoughts that you'd like to leave with listeners before we wrap up? Oh, you know, I think that, um, you know, I, I think there's there's – there's, there's, there's two things in, in, in that regard. And the first is that I always want to be very, very clear about, um, you know, what, what I've done and what I tried to do. Um, sometimes people ask me, you know, did, did, well, did you try and get out of your military commitment or did you try and, you know, something like that? And, and that's just totally the wrong question, right? Like I never, I never tried to get out of my military commitment. I was committed to serving, committed to doing what I signed up to do. Um, and, and, and like I said earlier, I would never, uh, well, I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade my military service for those five years back of playing golf at this point. I mean, certainly I have the benefit of having been successful and made it to the PGA tour to, to be able to say that, but, but, but I really enjoyed my time in the military and the Navy. And I, you know, frankly, I'd probably still be 
uh, in the Navy if I didn't want to play golf. I, we, we never really had a, a serious conversation about staying in after five years because we knew we wanted to transition and go. I knew I wanted to give golf a shot, and I kind of owed that to myself to to try and see where that led. And it, fortunately, it's you know led to a, a nice career, and, and, and careers are always changing and morphing. And so you know we're trying to reinvent that as well and, and, and continue to see what that looks like now as a, as a quote old athlete. Right. But, mm. um, so, so that, that's, that's kind of the, the first thing that I always want to be, want to be clear about when I, when I get the opportunity to, to, to share my, my side of things, because it's not always viewed in that light or, and people sometimes use, use terms that I'm not really, uh, happy about when, when, when we start talking about this stuff, but, mm. um, you know, it, and then the final thing that, that, I, you know, obviously, I think you'll agree with this, but we want everybody to know, beat Army. <laughs> what a great note to leave, end on. I love that. Well, Billy, I, I know that your uh, your time is scarce. I appreciate your, your making the, the room to chat with me and share your advice with listeners. Yeah, great, Justin. It was fun fun to be with you and uh, you know, look, look forward to people hearing this and, and learning more about more about my journey. Well, thank you so much for listening and for supporting Beyond the Uniform. Beyond the Uniform is produced and edited by me, Justin Asiri. Our staff is entirely part-time. They do this on nights and weekends out of the goodness of their hearts to give back to the military community. Our director of outreach is Steve Bain, who relentlessly books guests, finds sponsors, puts together our newsletter and thousands of other critical tasks every single week, all behind the scenes to keep Beyond the Uniform running smoothly. Our editor is Kathleen Dillon, who listens to and transcribes every single episode to help out those who don't have the time to listen to the show. It has a major impact on our site. SEO value, which helps people find us through Google. Our data analytics and insights advisor is Andrew Woolridge, who pours over the data each and every month to help us better, better understand how to best serve the Beyond the Uniform audience. Our digital production work is done by Michael Cummings, who puts together custom artwork for every episode. If you're enjoying Beyond the Uniform, the best way to help us out is by telling your friends and fellow service members and veterans. Um, iTunes reviews, believe it or not, have a big impact on getting the word out as well. So if you have a chance to leave a positive review, that is greatly appreciated. If you know of a business that would like to get their product or service in front of a military audience, we are always on the lookout for sponsors, which helps us subsidize the cost of putting this show together. And if you haven't yet signed up for our newsletter, you can do so at beyondtheuniform.io. We send out a newsletter twice a, twice a month, and it is a treasure trove of helpful information for your civilian career and transition. And be sure to check out our coaching program where you can be connected with a subsidized, professional, certified, executive, and career coach to help you in your career decision-making. Thank you for listening, and I'll be back next week with more stories from military veterans about their civilian career. Take care.